Hello and welcome, friends, to this week's edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, on your community radio station. We're Forward Radio, WFMP LP Louisville. We broadcast at 106.5 FM from the historic Hayburn Building here in downtown Louisville at 4th and Broadway. We also live stream to the world. You can pick us up anywhere. You can get an internet signal at forwardradio.org. Go there to catch our live streams or the podcasts of all of our local programming. Also, go there to become a part of this station. We built it for you. It's radio for the people, by the people. You are the people we want behind these microphones or maybe helping out behind the scenes or chipping in your hard-earned dollars to help keep us on the air. It only takes $20 a day for this great community resource. So together, we can do it and make this radio magic happen. What we do on uh, Sustainability Now each week is bring in folks from around the community who are thinking about true sustainability work, where we not just try and fix our environment, but our social and our economic challenges all at the same time. And speaking of coming together and doing things cooperatively, we're going to talk about today the Louisville Compost Co-op with Sean Raff, who's uh, in the studio with us. So we're all masked up and we got the studio spritzed down. We're staying safe. But welcome, Sean. Thank you, Justin. It's great to be here. I've been wanting to get you on for a long, long time because you are such an inspiration to me. You seem <laughs> like the director of the compost project at UofL, Brian Barnes. You seem to be a boundless energy uh, and, and full of awesome sustainability ideas. So I've always wanted to get you in here. Tell us about what is the Louisville Compost Co-op? So the Louisville Compost Co-op, we are doing residential composting. We're providing buckets to people around the city and businesses and we're collecting their food waste to divert it from landfills and we're turning it into compost thanks to the University of Louisville Community Compost Project. Uh, so it's like a, it's a collaboration with this existing project. Which Absolutely. We got started at UofL in July of 2010 and when did when was the compost co-op born? So the compost co-op was born August 23rd, 2018. Wow. And no, started wow. I, I, roughly. It's on the taxes. It's on the taxes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we started delivering service to our first, I believe it was 35 customers, October 1st, 2018. Wow. And now in 2020, how many customers do you have? Uh, we have 167 customers. Holy cow. I had no idea it was yeah. that big now. And three businesses. Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is awesome. This is a lot to talk about. This is so exciting. Uh, <laughs> such meteoric growth of this project is really great. I've noticed you, your vehicle roaming around town. People might have seen it as well because it says on the side, really big, Louisville Compost Co-op, right? Yeah. That was a big change. Yeah. Going from our cars, which could maybe carry 12 <laughs> buckets, to a vehicle that can carry 60. It, can it really? Um, wow. That is like stacked <laughs> tip to toe and it's just it's been a great game changer for us we're delivering buckets two days a week turn the pile two days a week now i think we're bringing in somewhere between 2,500 and 4,000 pounds a week wow um, it's wow. getting up there Wow, that is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so you may have also seen Sean on WDRB in the morning. They did a hilarious like, multiple take uh, segment with Sean out at the compost site, starting out in the dark, and then it slowly lightened up. And uh, eventually Brian Barnes came in and took us into the worm room and things like that. But I imagine most people just have never heard of this at all and, and aren't familiar with this kind of a service. There are cities like Seattle where you just take your food scraps and you put them in your bin on the curb and the city takes it away, right? 
Yeah. So like Seattle and New York actually have two of the largest metropolitan composting projects in the U.S. There are a bunch internationally in France. I believe there are principalities in England that do it. Oh, really? I think London's doing it. I'm not 100% on that. Uh, but New York has actually been really inspirational. New York and Seattle both phenomenal projects. Unfortunately for New York, because they had city financial support, it's been kind of really hard for them to keep that up. So it's it's a difficult path to tread sometimes having that, where do you get your support? Huh. Do you have it as a service where people are paying a monthly fee to be a part of the co-op? And obviously they get the benefit of the compost and also the green initiative of diverting their food waste, or do you put it on a municipality? Yeah, I think a mesh of those two somewhere would probably be better. To- yeah, and, and it's kind of funny too, because you can't compost curbside in Louisville. But it's yard waste. So Mm -hmm. you can put out your yard waste. Most of the year, there'll be weekly pickups. And that gets taken out to by waste management and composted. And you can even buy occasionally sometimes the compost that's produced from our curbside waste. But they don't want you putting food waste in those bins, which the city doesn't supply the bins either. They want you putting them in paper bags now, right? Mm-hmm. Although I've seen people like Jerry rig it and put their... I've waste. seen them in like uh, yeah. plastic bins, yeah. garbage <laughs> bins. Like It seems like you. it's a little bit of a Wild West thing and it's this funny city service, which still happens, but they really don't want food waste and I'm not 100% sure why. I imagine it has to do with like concerns about oh it's going to smell bad or attract vermin or part of it i think the biggest part is the optics that it's going to attract vermin yeah Yeah. and the big thing that a lot of the questions we tend to get is do you attract vermin and yeah you know being in a city they're there yeah if you're in the rural setting you know they would be there it's just you don't see them until you're (laughs) near what they're eating right (laughs) it's like you know you'll see squirrels all the time during the spring and the fall because that's when what they eat is there. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, if you have food waste out, you're going to see things eating it. That's the process of life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to get a little Jeff Goldblum on there. Life finds a way. Uh, but it's just, um, it's not something to be surprised or concerned about. That is how you do it. That's yeah. how you compost. Yeah. So we're stuck with having to compost on our own. The city's not going to pick it up for us. And I'm sure the co-op encourages people to do that at home, right? True home composting where you have a a bin in the backyard and it's pretty simple, but not everybody has a backyard. Not everybody has a place where they can do it. Do you find you have a lot of people who are like in apartments wanting the service? Absolutely. I don't know the exact numbers of people in the apartments. I could give a rough percentage that it's probably... 10% of our customers are in apartments. Wow. I mean, apart from having the space, it's the knowing how to do it right. Well, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Because you can very quickly have a compost pile that goes anaerobic and starts getting really stinky, and then you just don't deal with it. Yeah. And that's when it's too wet. Yeah, it's too wet. It's deprived of oxygen. You're getting, you know, a lot of methane-producing bacteria that are in there. Yeah. We have older, we've had older customers who just say they don't have the physical strength to do the composting at sure, home. Sure, sure. And I've always advised uh, for people who don't want to subscribe, you know, if they do want to start composting themselves, I give them the alternatives, you know, how they can do it at home. One way you can do it at home is you can do a vermicompost bucket where you just take a small plastic bucket, poke some holes in the lid on the top, and right. you put in your food waste, paper. And then you just, you can buy worms. You can come and get worms from us. 
uh, in the U of L Community Compost Project. Yeah, so this, uh, let's tell people where this is and, and talk about the Sunday compost church, we call it, at <laughs> noon to two on Sundays. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, so we're at 240 East Bloom. It's at the back of the lot. This is a U of L facilities lot. So we try and make sure people are showing up mostly on the weekends. That's Sunday, 12 to two. And we are there typically 11 to three, working on various projects, turning the compost pile. But we always welcome people to bring their own food waste, some of their yard waste as well. We can compost it. We're getting a chipper soon. So we'll be able to chip any small yard waste, such as sticks and branches that come by. Cool. And, you know, you can ask us questions. You can pick up a pitchfork and turn a pile. Uh, You can take some compost home with you. That's probably one of the most popular things that people don't realize is our members will drop it off for them as part of the monthly service. But if you're a member of the of the Louisville community, you are welcome to come and take some compost. Yeah. So this is uh, just north of the main U of L campus. There's a Taco Bell on the corner. It's between Brook and Floyd Streets on East Bloom. There's a railroad track running right down the middle of that block, and the composting site is on the east side of that railroad track. If you're trying to hone in on where this is, there's a gate in the front, but it's always open, yeah. uh, and you can stop by uh, noon to two on any Sunday for the volunteer days and to maybe take home some compost with you, learn more about the process, get some worms mm-hmm. um, for your own uh, home composting operation, that kind of thing. Uh, it's a really great community resources. There's nothing like it, this in town, right? This is the only place it's happening. Yeah, I've heard that there are people in the past who've like ridden their bikes around certain neighborhoods and collected compost, but that can be kind of difficult in like December, I imagine. Yeah. I know Metro Waste did have a compost facility, but where they were taking food scraps, I believe, uh, but they have since stopped doing that. I believe it was probably because of vermin and also yeah. budget cuts. Yeah. But yeah, this is the only residential food waste in Louisville. There are others that have started throughout uh, Kentucky. I believe there's two near Lexington and one up in northern Kentucky in the greater Cincinnati area that's doing it. Well, that's good to hear that it, it is happening elsewhere. But if, if you want to do this in Louisville, you don't have your own way to compost, this is a great way to do it. And we haven't said yet like how people would find the compost co-op. You all have a website? Yeah. So you can find us at louisvillecompost.com. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Lou Compost. I don't have a media manager, obviously. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just me. But you'll find the links to them at louisvillecompost.com. Yes. Uh, yep. And that's where you can learn about becoming a member of the co-op, which is, yep. a, again, it's a monthly fee. Yep. It's a monthly, it's $20 a month. So that works out to $5 a week. We swap the buckets and clean them out every week. And this is a five-gallon bucket? Five-gallon bucket with a twist seal lid, which holds in a lot of the smells and keeps the animals out. And we have evidence of animals attempting to get in and oh. failing. <laughs> so a couple of scratch bucket lids. But Great. So, I mean, if you don't have a bunch of smelly compost, you can just keep it open in your kitchen or whatever. And But when you set it out to pick up uh, mm-hmm. once a week, that's when you're going to screw on the lid for sure and leave it on your front porch. Is that how this works? Yeah. Most of the people leave it on their front porch or ideally away from any garbage can so that it's not mistaken for garbage right. and taken. Uh, but it does happen. We understand that. Yeah. We try and keep it in a place that people can either keep it out of the way if that's what they prefer or in nice free advertising view. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> so it's a pretty simple process. Some people in apartments keep it in the hallway and it doesn't smell that bad. Yeah. 
So. And you don't have to clean anything. Yeah, we do all the cleaning. That is so nice. What a great service. And what about, tell me about businesses or, or do you have any restaurants or anything like that? So prior to the pandemic, we had the Payne Street Bakehouse, which is phenomenal. If you haven't had their breakfast sandwiches, they former are Nancy's some of the bagels, best. Right? Nancy's Bagels, right? Yep, former yeah. Nancy's Bagels. I recommend the Jalapeno Cheddar oh, uh, Bagel. God, it's amazing. Yes. And they're on Payne Street at Spring. Yes. Yeah. Yep. They're still going strong, but uh, with the pandemic, uh, had to stop their composting service. But they're still wonderful. The food there is delicious. I'll always take free coffee and bagels. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> uh, we've been working with Angel's Envy Distillery, I believe, for almost a year and a half, yeah. I believe. Um, we've been working with Bloom Elementary. Uh, we've donated really? our service to them. Because they have a food is elementary where they cook with the kids and they try and teach them some of the sustainability initiatives. And we're also donating service to Backside Learning Center, which helps out the families of the employees at Churchill Downs. That is awesome. This is definitely a social enterprise. Uh, Sean's not in it for the big bucks. <laughs> it's just got to be sustainable. Oh, what's that word? Uh, I love that you're donating the services, too. That, that's really cool. Uh, just to remind listeners, you're, you're tuned in to Forward Radio with me, Justin Mogg, here on Sustainability Now. And we are getting our hands dirty today with Sean Raff talking about the Louisville Compost Co-op, which is sort of an outgrowth of uh, the U of L Community Composting Project, which continues to this day. I can share just a little bit more of that backstory. Um, Brian Barnes, uh, who is also a fellow Ford Radio programmer, you may have heard his show, Critical Thinking for Everyone. Uh, he has had, prior to his becoming a lecturer at U of L, had experience uh, setting up sort of large scale composting systems. He helped get breaking new grounds going here in Louisville, which was sort of the the same sort of social enterprise that eventually folded. But he he got to U of L. He couldn't believe we weren't composting. Why why are we sending all of this mm-hmm. great stuff to the landfill? And we've got this space. And at the time, we were switching over from the old recycling system where we had separate dumpsters or all around campus just for cardboard, right? And we went to the single stream system where all the recyclables were commingled. And suddenly we had all these scrap dumpsters. And Brian took one look at that and thought, compost bin. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we, we got those all set up and started composting in those bins. The process has evolved now and moved out to more sort of windrow style kind of composting but the same idea has been going on and pretty immediately Brian's a very community oriented kind of guy he wasn't just thinking about how we can compost U of L food scraps but how we can gather these great resources from around the community as well also in the meantime U of L set up a, a contract with West Rock to do mm-hmm. to do composting which a lot of which is another paid option for people and, and a lot of larger scale like restaurants will compost through West Rock but we still saw a need to keep this compost going and I think the Louisville compost co-op was also part of, sort of born out of like we also need some better structure to how we can uh, <laughs> manage all these requests from around the community and maybe start working at that smaller like household scale Um, so for me the the co-op has been a really exciting development and you you were sort of there from the beginning right for the co-op side yeah so even before i uh, started communicating with brian about this i had gotten the name for the business started all the paperwork and got that through and then i was like hey this guy will sit down and talk to me. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Brian has been, you know, a figurehead since the start. And we've just been kind of moving forward and 
keeping it really easygoing lifestyle, just like compost. It, it kind of works <laughs> itself. Uh, so it's been really nice. Brian's been a huge part of this, so it's been great. Yeah. So is it just you, or do you have other staff? Uh, we have one employee. One I know employee. that's a, yeah, it's whew, really moving, Fortune 500. <laughs> uh, and that's Josh. He's a student at the University of Louisville. He's also working for the UofL Community Composting Project, managing the compost piles. And so we pay him outside of that time to drive and collect the compost. And we also contribute financially to the Community Compost Project as part of, you know, making sure that this wonderful service, the university side, is maintained. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's not a super expensive operation, but the main the main costs are, are labor and then gas for the vehicle and, yeah. and the vehicle itself. But other than that, um, it's not a bunch of heavy machinery. This is all done with hand power, right? Yeah, it's all uh, pitchforks and shovels, and um, you know, I'm Sounds sure like a riot. It is. It is uh, hilarious. Some <laughs> some of the students who come out on the volunteering days, uh, the days of giving for U of L. They have their new sneakers on. They're all excited for college. And they go and see the compost pile, the fresh compost, and they're just like poking at the pile (laughs) with the pitchfork. And it's... uh, Yeah, it's not recommended you wear your nicest shoes. (laughs) Dress to get dirty, we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That first uh, um, pumpkin or watermelon you step in—that's been in the pile for three weeks—is going to be a little squishy. (laughs) So, so it's compost church, but don't wear your Sunday best. (laughs) Yes, yes. I mean that's all relative, as Brian might argue. Um. (laughs) Right, exactly. Brian always wears his black pants, no matter what the Mm -hmm. you know, perfect for any occasion. (laughs) Oh my gosh! So uh, let's let's back it up a bit and and just talk about why would someone ever want to contract with you all? Why would I pay any money to you to take my food waste? And why would I sort separate them out? Why the heck wouldn't I just throw them in the landfill? What's wrong with that? Well, there's a couple of things wrong with that. So it's just not the best option. So that's kind of one of the things that got me started with composting is all this food waste that goes to landfill, it gets eaten by this anaerobic bacteria and turned into methane gas, which has been shown to be 40 times more harmful to the atmosphere, to the ozone and to affecting climate change than CO2 or any uh, other, right. except it's for maybe ozone. It's a super heat trapping gas. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, and and most landfills aren't designed to capture the methane, right? Uh, yeah. There are some that they try to capture it and, and use it. It's a form of natural gas in a sense, but it's hard to engineer it just right. And even, mm-hmm. even in those situations, you're still losing a lot of methane to the atmosphere. Okay, so that's one reason is we don't want to contribute to global climate crisis, uh, but there's got to be other reasons. I mean, the other reason is still stemming from that food waste sitting in the landfill it's turning into soil slowly but it's still You're not, not be being able to use it. you can't use it it's oh great you got you got dirt in the plastics that's phenomenal oh wow all those et video game discs from the 80s and 90s that were never sold you know they're sitting there just covered in food waste that's not helping anybody so it's creating soil hummus that can be put back into an agricultural setting, an urban agricultural setting, which will revitalize the soil, uh, soil remediation. Uh, we've donated compost and soil to the botanical gardens because oh, they're nice. on a brownfield site, so they have to remediate a lot of their soil. Yeah. And 
when you have soil that's not able to take in and hold water, you're not going to get any plants growing on it. So the compost, mixing in compost and other soil with that will help with that retention and plant growth and keep a lot of the moisture in the ground instead of running off and flooding parts of the city. Right, right. I think a lot of people think about, oh, compost is fine, but I can just use this fertilizer, this chemical fertilizer. Maybe I can even get it cheaper than than compost, or, or maybe it's even going to produce more fertility than compost. Uh, even if that's true, though, you're missing a lot of the benefits of adding organic matter to your soil. Yeah, so one of the huge benefits of composting, and traditional farmers will tell you this in as part of the traditional farming techniques of using winter plant, uh, wintering over with other plants that aren't harvested for food is that compost has these microbes, these bacteria and these micronutrients. It's living. It yeah. is a living soil. It's what you smell when you go out to Jefferson forest after rain on a yeah, sunny day. It's yeah. that earthy tone. I love that smell. It's, it, oh, it's better <laughs> than coffee sometimes, but without that, you know, you put the fertilizer down, that fertilizer is essentially salts. It's ammonia salts. And what that does is it's over time, it salts the earth. It kills all the beneficial bacteria. It degrades all those nutrients. It doesn't replenish it with anything except for the bare minimum to get a plant growing. And a lot of it's going to run off into our waterways Absolutely. and uh, over nutrify our waterways. And then you get algal blooms, which ruins our waters. We can't even swim in certain waters be- yeah. during algal blooms because it's poisonous. Yeah. We've um, heard of the dead zone at the end of the Mississippi River in the yeah. Gulf of Mexico, right? That is there because of all the agricultural runoff from these chemical fertilizers. If people were just using compost, mm-hmm. uh, we wouldn't have any of those issues, would we? Absolutely. And I mean, it's not just compost alone. It's different techniques of agricultural farming. You can still do larger scale farms with these traditional techniques. It just takes a little bit more work. And I think that's a huge issue with a lot of concepts yeah. is, well, why work a little bit harder <laughs> when I can just get the easy path out? Well, yeah, forget yeah, about yeah, it. It's yeah. 20 bucks. Yeah. And we don't even need to go into it, but chemical fertilizers are derived from petroleum extraction. So, you know, the, the fossil fuel industry is the reason we have all these cheap chemical fertilizers. So, you know, if we're buying into that, we're sort of supporting an entirely unsustainable industrial system, which we need to be moving away from anyway. And figuring out how to support our urban farms, compost has to be an essential part of it. I mean, we're never going to be in a place where, you know, the old days where everybody had horses producing manure, right? (laughs) And we could all just have all the manure we need for our organic matter, right? We're going to have to have some sources of good compost locally if we want to do urban agriculture right. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, if there are communities that want to have larger community gardens, I'm totally for that. I That's one of my dream goals yeah. is getting to a point where the co-op can essentially start these other community projects. Now, I always tell people it's time and money. Yeah, yeah. And it's that's the hardest thing to attain if you don't already have it. Yeah. Like, I was thinking of a joke to start when you asked me to, <laughs> how did I start this? And say, oh, it was just a small million dollar loan. Uh, but it wasn't. It was, you know, using some of my student loans and my time and making it happen because wow. I wanted it to happen. Wow. 
So that's so great. And yeah, I mean, we, we, we failed to mention, but at the compost site, y'all are trying to demonstrate some various things in urban ag and sustainability besides just composting, right? Yeah. So we have had uh, some volunteer growth where some of the compost that we've set aside has seeds from plants. Sure uh, does. We get some butternut squash and some summer squash, and I've brought some home and they're phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Uh, my wife makes a wonderful soup. So all the credit <laughs> goes to her, not to the plants. But I'm also trying to utilize one of these dumpsters to make a year-round dumpster garden oh yeah uh, so i'm gonna be covering it up unfortunately with plastic because right. uh plexiglass and glass are expensive yeah but i hope to finish that up this sunday so kind of a little uh a row tunnel kind of thing high yeah. Tunnel. yeah 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 over yeah. the in the dumpster garden that's so cool <laughs> you know you have crazy ideas and they're only crazy <laughs> until they work right that's right that's right that's my bill gates quote of the day no. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing brian has mentioned to me once and i do think it would be awesome to finally get would be a, a composting toilet out there mm-hmm there are some really neat uh, composting toilet systems. In fact, you hail from Maine, and Maine <laughs> is the place I last saw one in operation. At Maine Hudson Trails is these little off-the-grid cabins you can hike or cross-country ski to. And so they have to set themselves up for independent living, right? So they got solar power, of course, on them. But they also have all these composting uh, toilet systems. Mm-hmm. And this is for, like, tourism. Like, lots of people coming, and they're not going to put up with smells, right? Uh, <laughs> Um, but they're digging got, their own hole. Exactly, excuse the interruption. exactly. <laughs> but they've got it down to a, a, a really good science. Uh, and I went down to tour the, you know, the backside of it in the basement, and it doesn't smell at all. It's incredible. So uh, I don't. Uh, there are smaller scale systems. Maybe we could set up too uh, at U of L just to demonstrate this process. But um, I, I don't know why I got down the potty road. But I mean, we don't. <laughs> we don't want to talk about composting human waste. That's not what you take it. Could we could take a body? No, we can't take a body. <laughs> you're you're set up for more like kitchen scraps, right? Yeah, um, and kitchen and garden. Yeah, kitchen and garden scraps. So uh, let's dive in that to that a little bit. Um, what can I and can I not compost in general? And then specifically, if I'm a member of the the Louisville Compost Co-op, what can I not put in the bucket? So you can compost anything that grows on a plant. You can also compost eggshells for a few examples of things that grow on a plant because some people get confused, uh, myself included occasionally. Uh, apples, pears, you know, lettuce, celery, carrots, potatoes, tomatoes, any citrus, coffee grounds can go in there. We do allow small quantities of cooked meats. There comes an issue with large quantities of uncooked meats, uh, yeah. such as various potentially uh, dangerous pathogens. Yeah. But as long as it's a small quantity of like cooked meat, you know, it's typically not an issue. And we do have a, I don't know if I want to call it an isolation bucket. Uh, We have a container, a 35-gallon drum that I have a kind of um, research barrel where I throw in various things. Occasionally, we'll throw in plastic, those compostable plastic bags, uh, some rags that we get occasionally, and some of my scraps from home uh, when we have more meat product in the week. I'll put it in there just to kind of isolate it from yeah. the other compost. But I mean, meat will comp- meat will break down. What Anything about- that's a carbon and nitrogen-based animal, plant-derived, will compost eventually. But what about bones, chicken bones, and things like that? Um, 
bones are really interesting, actually. They will eventually break down, but you would need to break them up into very, very small pieces and let them dry out in the sun for a while. Yeah. So you're better off making a broth and then crushing them up and using it for a carbon capture system, potentially for, and this is Blue Sky idea, um, a methane capture system. Oh, wow where you could use that as your kind of carbon filter to clean up the methane before you have it come into your kitchen line to cook. Huh. Cook with. You don't cook the methane. <laughs> Science fact for you. Cook with the methane. Cook right. with <laughs> the methane. We're talking today about composting here with Sean Raff from the Louisville uh, Compost Co-op. You can learn more and become a member for $20 a month. You can get a a fresh bucket brought to you every week and they'll take your bucket of food scraps away from you for composting uh, and, and you can learn more at louisvillecompost.com and uh, so that's what I can and can't compost uh, of course yard wastes uh, but we already talked about that like you might as well just put that out for the curb on the curb and the city will take it for free but of course if anybody wants to throw some leaves or something like that in, in the buckets no problem if, if I just piled up a bunch of those food scraps though i wouldn't have very good compost so tell us about the carbon side of it and and how that works at uofl's site so the carbon and the nitrogen the carbon is typically from a leaf or a wood source like wood chips which the university of louisville has a huge pile because they're always they have very active arborists branches um, are always falling down branches twigs. are always falling down yeah so they take those and they chip them once or twice a year uh, as they get a large pile of twigs they break it down in a smaller pile of wood chips and then the food is providing the nitrogen so the ratios that you typically want for a compost pile for the optimum that you're turning weekly is about 60 to 40 carbon and nitrogen or 70 to 30 carbon and nitrogen if you have too much nitrogen, what happens is the compost pile will heat up very quickly. Yeah. It'll get really high temperatures, but the bacteria that you want in there will overheat the pile and die off. Yeah. The, what the carbon does is it keeps it so that the pile will get up to a nice temperature a little bit slower, but it will sustain that temperature. It's almost acting like a heat sponge huh. while it's being broken down because that it's a mixture of different bacteria that are breaking down the nitrogen containing foods and the woods which are mostly just long carbon chains with some nitrogen too because there's still ligands in there but they're holding that temperature for a much longer time so by keeping that ratio and aerating it properly you can get a good pile up to somewhere between 135 and 160 degrees fahrenheit and that'll sustain wow. for weeks and that's why if you've ever turned a compost pile in the cold weather you see that steam coming off of it absolutely that's... yeah last december uh when we had a snowstorm i was out there on that sunday and the piles were heating up and the snow was just melting right off it yeah. was pretty fascinating and, and of course getting it up to those high temperatures also helps kill off some of those dangerous pathogens too so absolutely it's actually a good practice uh, for keeping your compost uh, safer yeah, so the start of the pandemic, uh, I actually got a lot of questions from people, and I saw in the news, oh, is it safe for COVID on the food? And I was like, well, in the compost, it must be. Yeah. And uh, I was, I believe it was the CDC or the WHO who put out that the virus is killed at 135 or 140 something degrees for a sustained period of time, 72 hours or something. And I 
went out and I checked the compost and I was like, oh, that's 150 degrees for three <laughs> days. That's fine. So we haven't tested it for anything. So I'm not going to say that we know for sure, but uh, based on what is known from reliable sources, such as the WHO and CDC, it's very unlikely that we're going to have any issues with that particular pathogen. Yeah. Well, awesome. I hope people are excited about it and want to learn more at louvillecompost.com. I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about some other topics in sustainability, too. And I think they're tied into this whole um, urban agriculture, urban composting side of things, which is the whole issue of food justice. Mm -hmm. I know it's an issue that you're passionate about. Um, So talk to us a little bit about how you see this whole project fitting into that broader uh, issue of, of access to health, healthy and fresh food here in Louisville. So kind of like you've mentioned earlier, you can't really have an urban ag without soil yeah. that will support food growth. So one of my big crazy visions is using a lot of the unused building spaces and turning them into indoor farms year round so that provide food to the communities. Also, taking empty lot spaces, half acres, and turning them into both community compost sites and farms. Yeah. And having somebody who helps support that, but, you know, trying to get people involved in the communities in those small farms. Yeah, it's, a, it's important to note that UofL is an educational institution. So the reason we're doing all this <laughs> stuff is to educate and to inspire others to try it themselves and to hopefully birth lot more Louisville compost co-ops and, and, and composting operations around the city. Uh, and that's why we try and get people to the site in, for all kinds of reasons. But if you can see it, you can see that, oh, this is something I could maybe do and participate in as well. And I don't need, like you said, a million dollar grant to get it started. Uh, I can just do it with pitchforks and shovels. Absolutely. And I think it's taking that first step and saying, help. You know, that will really here to help advise and to get you started and maybe get you in touch with other people who might be able to help. Justin's a great resource. He knows tons of people who can help. Brian's a great resource. I'm an okay resource. (laughs) Most of the people I know are in uh, research. So, you know, they're not going to know much about planting, but (laughs) never know. You never know. So, yeah, vacant lots could be a a great opportunity for, for doing this kind of work. Because like we've demonstrated at UofL, I mean, you can do this operation even in close proximity to other offices or or places people live or work. Um, It doesn't have to be segregated way out in the suburbs or in the exurbs, right? Like this can be an urban operation. I mean, it should be. There are examples of this happening in Detroit where people are renting yards from people. Uh, from the homeowners, and they're either providing monetary compensation or they provide them with food. Um, nice. Yeah. I mean, it's reducing the runoff from fertilizing your your yard. You don't have to cut it, which reduces CO2 emissions from gas consumption of lawnmowers. Uh, you don't have to maintain it with these policies. Um I believe it's called Yard Yum, and I believe that's the Detroit program. I'm not 100% sure, uh, but I'd love to have something like that started here in Louisville. I mean, we're a huge heat island, and that would help reduce a lot of that issue, just like rooftop gardens. I don't 
know how many of your listeners have flown over Louisville, but there's a lot of space up there. There sure is, yeah. And rooftop vegetation, of course, also helps with our stormwater runoff issue, which you've already mentioned one of the biggest problems in town in terms of environmental concerns is our urban heat island effect. The other big one is our combined sewer system overflows. So uh, this insane idea we had from the beginning of sending every raindrop to the same pipe as we send our sewage and then having to treat all of that volume means that anytime we get a good amount of rain, we've got a tsunami of sewage on our hands and we're investing millions, if not a billion dollars in these massive underground storage tanks that are doing the big drill through downtown to create this big uh, underground storage for all of this storm water that we should just be letting return to the groundwater. And when we put vegetation on our roof, it can it can capture some of that rainwater, act like a sponge, as you said earlier, mm-hmm. uh, and, and more slowly release it so it's not this sudden flush of all this water we've got to handle right yeah Uh, so i mean you could do it either with you know vegetated roofs where you put sedums up or you could do it by growing food on your roof too and and putting some soil up there yeah and it's i mean if you had 10 of the buildings with the greatest roof surface area covered just imagine how much agricultural space that is like i don't know what the measurements of most of the roofs are but i'm sure that would be able to contribute to feed the west uh, yeah, which exactly. is in dire need of food sources. Yeah. They don't have a grocery store over there. There is the co-op grocery store that is Lace is working on uh, that I'm sure Justin has talked about in the past. Oh, yeah, the Louisville Community Grocery. Uh, I'm a big fan of that and a member, proud member, and we're, we're seeking memberships now. Uh, you can learn more at louisvillecommunitygrocery.com. Uh, we've got over 300 members now, but we need to get to 800 to finally uh, put a lease on some property or buy some property. And we get to 2,000, we can finally open the store. Um, so anybody can become a member. Uh, the, the standard membership level is $150, but there are uh, low income and student membership rates that are much more affordable. You can pay in installments too. So yeah, you listen to some of the past shows at, uh, to, to learn more about the Louisville Community Grocery. But that, that's part of sort of an ecosystem yeah. that, that is really that we really need to restore. I think if we want to tackle this issue of food justice. Yeah, I mean, I would love to be able to walk out of my home and just pick fresh fruit from a community garden yeah or pick up picked fresh fruit yeah i mean that would potentially open up employment opportunities for people and food that they haven't been able to gain access to because it's not just traveling to the grocery store sometimes the cost of a food is ridiculous (laughs) like i bought a pack of basil i was supposed to get a bunch but i bought a small pack of basil and it was like $4. <laughs> and those plants, you get a plant of basil for the same price. You plant it and you grow it properly. You're going to get a lifetime of basil out of basil that. Basil for days. days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and I think people think um, don't think small scale enough about it sometimes. It can be daunting to think about, oh, I've got to start an urban agriculture project, quote unquote. Well, you could just grow a few things in pots, you know, on your deck and pull them in in the winter. Uh, You can start at any scale to -hmm. produce your own food. And I think it's important, not just in terms of access and affordability, but I think it also reconnects us with that which sustains us. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I think we've 
gone so far over the cliff of unsustainability in our culture is because of we're so disconnected from we don't even understand where food comes from, where clean water comes from, where our waste goes, what happens when we throw food waste in the landfill. Those kinds of things aren't taught in schools. We don't grow up knowing that. We grow up in concrete jungles and there's all these background systems going on that we don't see or understand. But when we plant a seed and watch something grow and nurture it, it instantly reconnects us back to the life-giving force, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you want to get really woo-woo about it. But <laughs> just understanding the science of it is, I think, really essential. And uh, and then we understand the value of food, too, where I, I can't imagine wasting food anymore. I know I know how much food is wasted in America. It's something like 40, 50 percent of the food grown in America never gets eaten by anyone, right? Uh, and that's why we need composting. <laughs> it's something like 76 billion. I just talked at the Louisville Sustainability yeah. Council the other day. Yeah, yeah. 76 billion tons, which works out to $183 billion worth of food waste every year. Oh, wow. It's it's insane. That could go into, you know, social support programs, ag- urban ag programs, right. education. Right. Like, that would be phenomenal. And and my, my just to run on my point, I, I feel like the only reason we're able to be so wasteful is because we don't really understand what it takes to produce good quality, healthy food. And we don't see all the hands behind it, right? It's distant. It's somewhere else. Uh, we don't understand the labor that goes into it, um, much less sort of the science and the physicality of it all. Uh, but growing your own food reconnects with you with that really quickly. So I encourage listeners to think about it, uh, even even here in the winter. Like, again, you can grow things in a nice sunny window, uh, maybe grow some herbs or something simple yeah. like that just to get started. And if you're wondering, well, where would I get some good soil to do that? The Louisville Community <laughs> Composting Project at UofL uh, is the place to do it. Uh, and, and you can learn more about uh, that at louisville.edu slash sustainability. Again, Compost Church is every Sunday noon to 2. And you can join uh, the Louisville Compost Co-op at louisvillecompost.com. We're, we're nearing the end of our time. I don't know, Sean, is there any last things you wanted to say to wrap up? Jeez, that's... Oof. Uh, <laughs> ooh, uh, no. Um, just, you know, help people. Help yourselves a little bit. You know, go out there and Try a new meal, grow some food. Yeah, grow some, grow some food and make a new make a new meal. You know, <laughs> grow potatoes in a five gallon bucket. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people doing that, yeah. and um, it's a great option. You can grow uh, sweet potatoes too, I believe, in the five gallon bucket. You know, try and get involved in some of these various projects. Look up the urban ag stuff. Just Google urban ag, and various cities will come up. If you want to get something like Yard Yum started, let me know. We can try and figure something out. That's right. And we should mention the the Louisville Urban Agriculture Coalition, a great resource for people. You can learn they're a, a proud Ford Radio partner as well. You can learn more about them at foodinneighborhoods.org slash grow. That's a great place to get started. Uh, and I really thank you all for 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 doing the work of of starting up this social enterprise and growing it from 
just a few subscribers to over 160 now. That's so amazing. Uh, but it can always continue to grow. It's scalable. Uh, Absolutely. So, so always looking for new members of the Louisville community, uh, the Louisville Compost Co-op. Uh, and thank you, Sean, so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you for having me on, Justin. All right. Stay tuned, everybody. Coming up in just a second, it's your community action calendar. There's lots of ways you can get involved in making sustainability a reality now here in Louisville this week. So stay tuned. Music coming rolling like a river, so it seems. Keep living in this crazy world where love is what we need. See, I climbed up on the mountain and I looked down to the sea. I took a breath for hope and a breath for peace and a breath for my friends and family. Better through all the trials of life and I've been down chasing dreams. Kept the beat in time. permission to use their local music on the podcast versions of our programs which you can find at forwardradio.org you can learn more about them at appalatin.com my name is justin mogg you're tuned in to forward radio we are people powered and this is the time on sustainability now when we get our pencils sharpened and our calendars out and get ready to take action for sustainability this is probably your last chance for a lot of events that are going to be wrapping up before the Thanksgiving holidays. So this is a big week uh, to pack it in. It all starts on Tuesday, November 17th with the Greater Louisville Sierra Club presenting Jeff Young on the book Appalachian Fall. This will be a virtual event at 7 p.m. on Tuesday. Join us for a presentation by Jeff Young, author of this important new work, Appalachian Fall. Since its launch in 2016, the Ohio Valley Resource has documented the extraordinary change underway in what has long been a bedrock element of Appalachian economies and culture, the coal industry. Their coverage shows how the industry's sharp declines challenges coal-dependent communities that are now left with the legacy costs of mining and the task of reinventing local economies. They have compiled years of reporting and interviews in this new book, Appalachian Fall, Dispatches from Coal Country on What's Ailing America. In it, they share the ground-level stories of those dealing with coal's collapse and its costs, out-of-work miners blockading a railroad, 
men and women suffering from an epidemic of black lung disease, families and communities struggling with polluted water. They introduce you to the innovative and dedicated people tackling the worst effects of an addiction crisis, mass economic dislocation, and environmental justice. People who are inventing new ways to make a living and revive rural communities. They also explore what those stories reveal about America today. What does the nation owe to a region that provided fuel for others for a century? And what is at risk if the country stands by watching as Appalachia and its people fall further behind? Jeff Young is the managing editor of Ohio Valley Resource, a regional journalism collaborative reporting on economic and social change in Kentucky, Ohio, and West Virginia. The resource includes seven public media outlets across three states, including WFP, right here in Louisville, and it aims to strengthen news coverage of the area's most important issues. Jeff previously worked for West Virginia Public Broadcasting and was a Washington correspondent for the public radio international program Living on Earth. Jeff grew up near Huntington, West Virginia, and studied journalism and biology at Marshall University and the University of Charleston. His reporting has been recognized with numerous awards, and he was named a 2012 Neiman Journalism Fellow at Harvard. And you can learn from him directly this Tuesday at 7 p.m. online with the Greater Louisville Sierra Club. Jeff Young talking about the book Appalachian Fall. And you can get more information and register at louisvillesierraclub.org. The direct link to sign up is tinyurl.com slash O-H-V-R-E-S. Coming up Tuesday the 17th, also, uh, if you'd rather do this at 6 p.m., it's the Post Landfill Action Network's monthly movement movie nights continuing throughout the fall. And on Tuesday, the film is Flint's Deadly Water. This fall, the Post Landfill Action Network is hosting free monthly movement movie nights. Each month, they will live stream for you a different documentary highlighting certain areas of environmental and social injustice. Afterwards, there will be a discussion led by a planned staff member and all of you. So, this Tuesday at 6 p.m., the film is Flint's Deadly Water. Now, the town of Flint, Michigan, of course, has gone through more than most towns. As you know, in an effort to try to cut costs and make water more affordable for the city, state officials authorized the change of Flint's water source without the proper safety precautions, causing the deaths of many of its citizens. And when state officials were asked to take responsibility for their actions, they refused. You can find the link to register for the films at facebook.com slash post landfill. You can also follow at post landfill on Instagram for more information. And just a heads up, the final film in the series on December 7th at 6 p.m. will be Merchants of Cool. Learn more about it at facebook.com slash post landfill. Now, coming up on Wednesday the 18th, also at 6 p.m., another great virtual event to keep everybody safe, the Louisville Sustainability Council brings you their monthly green drinks uh, event featuring Tina Halbig on forever chemicals or PFAS, a massive public health issue. Tina retired as a UofL oncology researcher to become co-founder of Floyd's Fork Environmental Association and then served as president of the League of Women Voters of Louisville and then 
Kentucky. She's now Vice President of the United Nations Associations of the USA, Kentucky Division, and has led human trafficking awareness and prevention for 11 years. Tina's in her fifth year with the National UNA-USA Group, serving on several committees and as Chair of Ethics. In 2019, Tina learned about PFAS, or Forever Chemicals, from the Environmental Working Group and, and began her research into them. DuPont Chemical did not disclose findings to the EPA, but used PFAS chemicals for five decades until attorney Rob Billet filed lawsuits that were f- featured in the film Dark Waters that came out within the last year. Some of these dangerous chemicals remain in the environment for thousands of years, and 99% of us have some forever chemicals found in our blood. And they can even be found in newborn babies. As a civic leader, Tina will engage you to take several actions because these forever chemicals are linked to health maladies, plus several types of cancer. You can find links to register for green drinks on Wednesday at 6 p.m. at louisvillesustainabilitycouncil.org. Now, coming up on Thursday at 3 p.m., it'll be the conclusion of Louisville Metro's No Waste Louisville webinar series. And uh, this virtual series is educating residents on recycling, food waste reduction, reusing and repurposing products. Webinars are offered every Thursday at 3 p.m. and they conclude this week. You can register for all of them and learn more at nowastelouisville.org slash webinars. And that's K-N-O-W wastelouisville.org. And the final one this November 19th is on food waste reduction, probably the most important one, to be honest, in terms of sustainability. If you ever feel guilty about all the food your family tosses out, you can come and learn easy ways to change your habits, save money, and lower your carbon footprint this Thursday, November 19th at 3 p.m. Again, you can register at nowastelouisville.org. And also this Thursday at 7 p.m. is the conclusion of another great series that the University of Louisville has been doing, All Eyes on Louisville. Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies Falls Social Justice Speaker Series concludes this Thursday the 19th at 7 p.m. The topic this week is No Justice, No Peace, Exploring Brianna's Law, Transformative Justice, and Defunding the Police. What does it mean to defund police, and what did Brianna's Law do? What is transformative justice, and how can it help you understand what defunding the police looks like? The panelists to discuss all these topics will include the amazing Katura Heron, ACLU, uh, featuring uh, talking on Brianna's Law, Attica Scott, our state representative for uh, the West. Stand of Louisville, uh, Ashanti Scott, U of L student and activist, and it'll be moderated by Sadika Reynolds, the director of the Louisville Urban League. You can find the link to register at louisville.edu/sustainability for this great virtual event on Thursday at 7 p.m. Friday at 10 a.m. or 1 p.m. is also the conclusion of Bernheim Forest Final uh, $5 Friday's Family Forest Foray. Uh, Bernheim's happy to offer the opportunity for families to come on out to Bernheim in Claremont, Kentucky for a hike with a naturalist every Friday. There will be two hikes offered per day, one from 10 to 11 a.m. and another from 1 to 2 p.m. 
and Fridays will feature a new hike every week to a different place for exploration, adventure, and a little bit of learning. Space is limited and distancing protocols are being enforced. Masks are required when family groups are within six feet of others. It's $5 per person and registration is required by 4 p.m. on Thursday. You can call 502-955-8512 or just register at bernheim.org. That's B-E-R-N-H-E-I-M dot org. Also Friday, uh, November 20th at 11 a.m., it's the final fall UofL Sustainability Roundtable, a great virtual event for the community to come discuss various issues in sustainability. And this week, we're so excited to be hosting the amazing Chantrice Martin, founder of Feed the West. This will be the final UofL Sustainability Roundtable, and our speaker is Chantrice Martin, the inspiring and amazing founder of the Feed the West Initiative. It's a community food justice initiative spearheaded by her and sponsored by Change Today, Change Tomorrow. This initiative brings fresh food and groceries to communities suffering from food apartheid in our urban core. It's an ongoing project that will feed the West End until there is a Black-owned and sustainable fresh food source for our residents. You can find the link to join and you don't have to register in advance for this Friday, 11 a.m. UofL Sustainability Roundtable about Feed the West at louisville.edu slash sustainability. That's also the place to go to participate in the final UofL Eco Reps workshop of the fall. That's right afterwards at noon on Friday the 20th. It's an online event, or you can join us in person with a mask on in Ekstrom Library, room W210. We uh, minimize the participants to 10 folks, and we keep you socially distanced there. And uh, the topic this week for the last UofL EcoReps workshop is on the Louisville Community Grocery. You can join us for our monthly EcoRep workshops featuring locals making a difference in sustainability. The final workshop will be all about the Louisville Community Grocery and the ongoing movement for food justice here in Louisville. Come learn how you can get involved as a member or volunteer to help open the first cooperatively owned community grocery in Louisville in one of our urban core neighborhoods that has long suffered from food apartheid and the lack of a full-service grocery store. This project nails all the key pillars of sustainability with a plan to improve wellness and social justice through fresh, healthy food access for neglected urban corn communities, to reduce the environmental impact of conventional industrial food system by shortening the supply chain and bringing more organic, non-toxic, and environmentally responsible goods to Louisville customers, and to lay the foundations for a more sustainable, locally controlled economy through cooperatives, which build community wealth rather than extract it. You can learn more and join us at google.edu slash sustainability. And finally, Saturday, November 21st, is the final pop-up drop-off recycling event from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. out at UofL's suburban Shelby campus, 440 North Whittington Parkway. Louisville Metro will hold its last pop-up drop-off event of the year out there. Jefferson County residents can drop off any of the following for proper disposal, recycling, and composting. Up to three electronic items, metals, and appliances, although they do not expect refrigerators or any items contain 
containing coolant, but all other metal and appliances can be recycled there. Up to four passenger tires can be recycled. Household recyclables, of course, following basic curbside recycling rules. Yard waste and wooden pallets will be accepted for composting. Documents will be accepted for shredding and recycling. And prescription medication will be accepted for proper disposal. They will not accept batteries, light bulbs, oil-based paints, varnishes, stains, and other household hazardous waste. Those you should take out to the has-been, which is out by the airport at 7501 Grade Lane, and that's open Tuesday to Saturday from 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. But join us for the pop-up drop-off recycling event this Saturday the 21st from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. out at UofL's Shelby Campus. You can get more info at louisvilleky.gov slash pop-ups. And that's all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll be back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well. Thank you.